Today, I want to start the message that we're going to continue in the series of being fully alive. You know, last week we talked about being fully alive because, one, we are called the sons and daughters of, of, of the King. And not only are we sons and daughters and we have a family relationship, but we also come to the knowledge that none of us were perfect and the greatest battlefield and challenge that we're going to have in our faith is in our minds. When you fall short and the enemy attacks your mind and says, oh, this isn't real, or are the challenges of, of our faith, and how we can overcome those challenges because to some degree he tells the truth. He, we are not perfect, but we can stand in the perfection of Christ and we have the blessing of grace for adjustment. And the blessing of that grace of adjustment helps us to run this race of faith. Aren't you, how many of you are glad that you have grace in this challenge, our race of faith? Say amen. amen. And then last but not least, and this is where I'm going to pick up today, is that you were not intended to run this race alone. Matter of fact, you were intended to have the presence and the power of God the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The Bible declares this. It says, if my people who are called by my name should humble themselves and repent and turn from their ways, then I will heal their land. I will, I will heal. It is such a list of healing in the midst of, of the chaos of repentance. And, and that's what I want to do today. I want to start the message off with the repentance. Because when the Lord started dealing with me about God, the Holy Spirit, I think that some of it was a challenge to when's the last time you taught on the aspects of God, the Holy Spirit? And I couldn't remember. And so I repent for not bringing adequate teaching on God the Holy Spirit in a consistent way because he says when you repent of things like that that he not only will forgive you of your sins but he will heal your land and I think we need a revival of God the Holy Spirit not just in our churches but in our land amen so with that said I'm going to pray and then we're going to get right into the text so father today I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit Father, anoint me as a speaker to go beyond my capabilities or experiences of communicating. Because God, after 25 plus years, I know how to move a crowd. But the way that I move a crowd provides no transformation. But the way you move a crowd can. So we yield ourselves to you today and ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to become evident in all of our lives. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I'm going to quote a theologian, a pastor in the early 20th century. His name is A.W. Tozer. And I'm going to begin this message out by a quote of his. And it was one of the things that God was using to stir me to a point of conviction and even moving me to a point of repentance. It says this, We may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus and the things of the Spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world, sought popular favor, manufactured delights for the substitute of the joy of the Lord and produced a cheap and synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't know how many of you follow this uh, you know, kind of modern Christian comedian. Uh, I enjoy hearing some of the things. He's a pastor's son, and that gives him a right to kind of poke fun. If you've lived through some of the stuff that happens as a pastor's son, it, it, it's a, an opportunity for you to make light sometimes of things that the church does. It's incredible to me. Um, he was mentioning how uh, now the new thing is is that pastors rhyme and they, they have to make all of these words rhyme together. And, and he, he went online, but he was really serious this time. And he went online and he said, you know what? He said, you know what? I've kind of blamed the pastors for the, the condition of the church. He said, but you know why they do those things? Why they make stages look like the NCAA brackets in the tournament? He said, the reason they do it is because of people like us. We have exchanged the power of God for the, the momentary pleasure of entertainment. And when you do that, it brings with it a price. And so many times, because uh, I come from a Pentecostal background, and sometimes we've called everything that is emotional the Holy Spirit, and that is simply not true. And, and sometimes we have to go to certain... Um, expressions of, of that liberty and, and, and say, you know what, that's probably better done in your bedroom. I remember as a little kid that there was a lady in church that would just scream, kind of, you know, just intermittent, just, ah, and it would scare the daylights out of me. <laughs> and I would go, you know, I'd, I'd hear the adults talking. And she'd say, oh, I got hit with the Holy Spirit today. No. And if you did, you need to get hit at home because <laughs> you're, you're scaring us to death. But in a zeal to try to contain the unfamiliar, we've dismissed the authority of the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And what really needed loving teaching and understanding and development through what the context of Scripture says about God, the Holy Spirit, we have taken and said, we'll make everything safe by just eliminating the invitation to Him at all. And that's really a mistake from the church because Jesus in John chapter 14, he is telling us, he is about to tell his disciples that it is really, really important for you to have the Holy Spirit because he will not just be with you, but he will be in you. Listen to how he refers to it. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper and to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth who the world cannot receive because it, is neither, it neither sees Him nor knows Him. And you know Him for He dwells with you and will be in you. So he starts out the conversation in John chapter 14 telling them that there is coming this promise of the Holy Spirit that is not going to be just with you but in you. And then he picks the subject up in John 16 again. Now you got to remember, these 12 guys have left everything to follow Jesus. And he is now about to tell them. They have acknowledged that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. And he's about to blow their mind with a statement in John chapter 16. He gets them together kind of in a huddle manner and says, Guess what, guys? It's to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine hearing that? That I know that you have been with me and you get to see miracles and you get to hear me speak and you get to see the blind see and the lame walk and the, 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 they've even seen him raise people from the dead. They've seen fish multiply right before their very eyes. And he tells them literally, it's to your advantage that I go away. Listen to what he says in John 16. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. 
And now he finishes this statement, this teaching. He starts it in John 14, reiterates it in John 16. And now in Acts chapter 1, he has been crucified. He's resurrected. He has met with the same men that he uh, had spoken John 14 and 16 to. And he says, I want you to do this. Don't go do any ministry yet. Go to Jerusalem. Because it's important for you to be enabled by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because what's going to be required of you to do, you cannot do in your flesh. You cannot just do with your intellect or your understanding. You need to be enabled by the supernatural power of God to do things that you consider to be impossible. Can somebody say amen? So we are all now really aware that Jesus really meant that God the Holy Spirit is really important in our lives. Amen? And so here's one of the bumpy parts of the message today. Because sometimes I think that we need to be bumped a little bit to an awareness. Because I'm about creativity. I love having fun with series and things like that. But we have to dismiss the absolute need for spiritual entertainment and go back to a hunger for the spiritual things of God to allow the transformational power of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit to take hold in our life. It's not enough for people just to sing your favorite song, but wouldn't you like to know that when you get back in the car every single Sunday that you've had an encounter with God that has transformed your life? Amen? So here, here's, here's the first bumpy part. There's a reason that a lot of times the generations that have come after I'm 51 years old have dismissed the authority of God in their life. And it's not because of the devil. I'm going to say that again. It's not because of the devil. The reason that many people are leaving their faith is the testimonies of people like you and like me. You say, oh, pastor, you've got my attention now. Do tell. See, I'm going to give you an example because Pastor Matt has seen me play basketball. Matter of fact, we play sometimes. We, we'll have little competitions during the week. Pastor Gray and I are normally on a team, and we currently are the three-point champions of all of the universe here at CityGate. And the old, it's usually the old guys versus the younger guys, and they come and they try, but we prevail most of the time. But Pastor Gray's been with me for 17 years. He knows how I shoot the ball. He knows my habits. He knows a lot about me. So let's just for analogy's sake say this, that one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is basketball. And so I come to Pastor Gray and I say, Pastor Gray, we're never going to lose again. You know why? Because I'm no longer shooting empowered by my own capabilities, but I got filled with the Holy Spirit and got the gift of basketball. Well, what he would have to be aware of is what he's looking for is evidence of an encounter. So the next time we get on the basketball court, he is looking for me to jump higher, run faster, dribble quicker, have handles like Steph Curry, and back up at 40 feet and just drain that thing. Not because I'm shooting on my own strength, but now I've been enabled by the supernatural power of an almighty God. Can you say amen? That's what you would expect, right? And that's what our kids and grandkids have expected from us when we told them we got saved. 
Because the moment you got saved, you were telling them that I am now the tabernacle, the dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit. And we are supposed to love different. We're supposed to have love, joy, and peace in another dimension than what we're capable of, of just our flesh. We are now saying to the world. And what has happened is, is we told the world, we told our kids and grandkids we were Christians and that we were people of faith. And then we got into our living room and we lived different than what we lived at church. And it started to confuse them. And they said, if that's not, they're really not real. And if that's not real, maybe the whole thing isn't real. Now we've done that to ourselves because we told them we got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, but yet we didn't change. I'm going to take it one step deeper just to shake the box just a little bit. It's impossible for you to be saved under my understanding of salvation and stay mean. Now I'm not talking about you don't have mean moments. Everybody falls short of the glory of God. But if you wake up every single day and people around you think you're mean and you go to the office and say, hey, I'm saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're thinking in the back of their head, well, whatever you got, I don't want. Because you're mean. (laughs) So we are supposed to be different once an encounter with the Holy Spirit takes place that allows us to be supernaturally gifted to do things in areas of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Because we wanted to gauge people's living with the Holy Spirit based upon the gifts they demonstrated. But yet we say, you're judge a tree by the fruit it bears. Do you know the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, meekness, and goodness, and faith in which such there is no law? Woo! That should be me walking around. That I have now been enabled. Let's talk about this subject of love. Because it's one of the most confusing subjects in our whole culture. Is how in the world can we say the word love and it apply to these things? We can love fishing, tacos, pizza, your spouse, your children. Same word. So you're telling me that the thing you have for Taco Bell is the thing you got for your wife or husband? Oh, but no. I love Taco Bell. There's nothing healthy on the menu. I don't care how much you look. But the $5 box is a blessing to all. And make that a Mountain Dew with that thing too. So we could just, once you get that far, you might as well go all the way. No, but we use the word love to associate with an affection that we have. But we understand that there's different levels of love. Amen? And one of the greatest levels of love is grandparenting. Today, I celebrate with one of my grandchildren that yesterday she turned one years old. Her mother is from Mexico. Her grandfather is from Mexico. Her grandmother is from Mexico. Her aunts and uncles are from Mexico. And we get to celebrate her birthday on Cinco de Mayo. Come on, somebody. How many of you are grandparents and say it's a different kind of love? We get to give them sugar, candy, never say no. Send them home. We never spank them. We act like we don't even know discipline. And then we send them home to you. (laughs) But the Bible says something about this subject of love. And do you know that you really can't love effectively without God the Holy Spirit? You say, well, Pastor, I loved my wife and children before I got saved. You have a whole nother level of love that you can go to now because you are saved. 
So what happened was is that Jesus was confronted with a lawyer and the lawyer said this in Luke chapter 10. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to them, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. See, a lot of times we are trying to add God to our busy lives and schedules. But true Christianity and love for God is to make Jesus your life. That means you lay your life down and pick up His cause. And now your purpose in life is to reveal the glory of God to a world. And the Bible says if you do that, the other things that you desired previous will be added unto you. Do the things of the kingdom first. And so when this is the hard teaching, because we just want Jesus to forgive us of our sins most of the time. But the teaching says this, love him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. It is literally basically interpreted every fiber of your being has to love God. Why would God do that? Why would he ask you to love him in that way? See, you have to understand the principles of the character of God is that God is for you and He knows what's best for you even though sometimes you think you know more than Him. It's the truth. And so why would a God... Is He egotistical? No. Then why does He want us to love Him more than we love anything else with our whole bodies, our, every fiber of our being? Why does God require such a level of love? Because He knows that you're going to try to love other people. See, when you love God with every fiber of your being, what you have to do is you have to get converted from loving the person you loved before Him the most. And in most cases, it was you. You were number one. You loved you. There's a lot. They call that narcissism, by the way. And all of us had a little dose of it. Well, we love us. And yet now we're beginning this relationship, buddy, with God. And he tells us, if you really want to learn how to love, love me this way. And I'll teach you how to love differently. Because what we do is we join at that moment in a love relationship with a God that loves you unconditionally. Have you ever noticed that the only ones failing in your love relationship with God is you? That he never fails you. He's always faithful. And so what he's doing is showing you an example of how to love people when they fall short. Because the world's got an epidemic going on that if you don't meet my expectations, I'll just leave. That's why it's so easy to get this thing. I'm just going to get messed up today. You know, but this is what revival's all about. It's so easy. We'll just get divorced. Well, why don't you just stay and start loving different? Because it's so easy to exchange now. It happens in families. It happens in living rooms. It happens at churches. If they make me mad, I'll just leave. How do you ever get through? How many of you... I, see, the pleasants are different. And, and I'm glad my mom and dad come to first service. But I use the same example. Is that sometimes any of you parents uh, you know, have family gatherings, but your children are not always your favorite people? Are your aunts and uncles or brothers and sisters? And how many of you have ever had strife or frustration or conflict within family. Say amen. amen. But you still eat with them. 
Because no matter what my crazy brother or sister do, they're still my crazy brother or sister. It doesn't matter what my kids do, they're still my kids. I may not be popular to them, but I'm still their dad. And we set all of that aside and we walk ourselves through it. We eat together, we fellowship together, we get through it. But the world has a love that's interchangeable now. And what he's trying to teach us is that, hey, I'm never going to leave you. When you fail me, when you promise me the world, I'll never do this again. And yet you're doing it by Tuesday. Come on, guys. You know what I'm talking about. How many promises you've made to the Lord? I'll never get caught. Lord, forgive me one more time. And if you forgive me one more time, I'll never get back in this. As long as you're living in the flesh and not being led by the Holy Spirit, you're going to find yourself right back where you started in the flesh. And it's going to be a cycle till that's broken. Your flesh cycle is broken by now following the leading of God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. So he teaches us how to live in an unconditional relationship. Because... Don't you think you're going to love your wife or your husband more if you love them more than you love yourself? And the only way to get to really know how to do that is by loving God first that way. So he's preparing you for your future. And how many of you, if you, if, if, how many of you love your kids more than your own life? Amen. That means if somebody busts in my living room when they were 15 and, 16, 15 and 18 years old said, somebody's got to die, I'd have jumped up and said, take me. Don't take them. They're young. They're my kids. See, I couldn't really know how to do that until I started learning how to love God correctly. Because you can love God, love your family, your spouses, or, or, or your children, or your grandchildren. You know what? You can do all of that probably in your flesh. But you know what? That's not where the subject of love stops in Scripture. And the thing that the Bible tells me to do next, I can't do in my flesh and I can't do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that same Bible that tells you to love God with all of your heart also tells you to love your enemies. Now, I can't do that in my flesh. Because there's conflict in my flesh going on about my enemies. The thing, you know, it tells you to pray for those that hurt you and despitefully use you. And that means that when they criticize that you can't meet them with criticism of their own, you've got to meet them with compassion and mercy. I can't do that in my flesh because my flesh is telling me different things. Now, for anybody that's a guest here today, this is going to make room for you because you're going to say, at least that guy's real. See, I fight in my flesh. See, I'm not super spiritual because I'm a pastor. I walk in the Spirit because I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Not because I'm a pastor, because a pastor thinks the same things you think. Like that person that talks bad about you, you think that little voice says, punch him in the mouth. Karate chop them in the goozle, man. Shut them up. And your flesh rises up and says, say something mean. You know you can do it. And the Holy Spirit says, no, don't do that. That's right. Thank you. Because your kids are watching you. 
And they want to know, are you really filled with the Holy Spirit? Because if you act the way that everybody else acts, then you're, you're discrediting the evidence of God the Holy Spirit living in you. But when they see the enemy come against uh, their dad or their mom or themselves, and they see the attack that, that can happen, and yet you continue to love supernaturally, they know that that cannot be done in your own flesh. That means when you forgive the person that does it over and over and over again, and yet you still love them and don't hold grudges against them. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says love is patient and kind, is not envious or jealous, does not hold grudges or keep score. They have watched for 31 years their father fall short of honoring his wife every single day of his... I didn't mess up every day, but they saw during the time of my marriage frailty of me falling short of honoring her the way that I should. And they saw her forgive me every time. (laughs) God bless. (laughs) What can we say to that? And I haven't even got to joy and peace yet. I'll probably have to wait till next week to get there. See, the power of the Holy Spirit helps me to reflect the same love that Jesus bestows upon me to others. They've seen people on the sidewalk and literally watched others walk around that they've watched their parents go to and kneel down and say, hey brother, is there anything we can do for you today? We have a message of hope. His name is Jesus. And His love for you is not based upon your current conditions or your behavior. He loved you before you were ever even conceived. They've watched... As people have said one thing and did another. And even though that they would testify that their parents are not, they're not perfect. They would tell you that we were filled with the Holy Spirit. And we loved in a supernatural way. That was different than others. But yet that's what real Christians are supposed to be like. how we're supposed to extend that love that doesn't even make sense. Why did Jesus even put it in the Bible? Love your enemies. Because he wanted you to remember that one day you were a sinner in need of a Savior. And that sin had put you in enmity with God. And God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit loved you when you were an enemy of God to a place that he would give his own life be resurrected by the authority of God the Holy Spirit and he wanted to remind you of that love Kate Lacey sang about it love so undeniable I can hardly think that's because you can love with the power of the Holy Spirit now we're going to pray a little different today we're going to have Amy lead us in a moment of worship And then I'm going to invite the altar team and the ministry team to come.
And we're going to pray like we do every single week for those that want to get saved and begin this love relationship with God. But we're also going to be praying for people just like you that are already saved. According to Acts 19, Paul went to a group of believers and said, Have you received since you believed? Because not only did you receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit at salvation, but we believe that there's an enabling of the Holy Spirit based upon Acts 19 for you to do the impossible, enabled by the impossible working God. That's the only way you can love that way. And we're going to pray for what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit that allows you to have love, joy, and peace. It's different than the world. 